So good morning. Welcome to Catapult Your Career, uh, which is led by myself, Michael Glassock, where we're going to delve into a variety of careers uh, and really try and explore practical advice for people who are trying to enter different professions. Uh, and this particular podcast, this will be the first podcast that I've had a guest on. And um, so uh, we are going to focus this particular podcast on the world of business analysis. Uh, and we have none other uh, than a good friend, uh, Tando Jacobs, joining us today. How are you, Tando? I'm feeling good, Michael. I'm feeling good. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So thank you for inviting me on. No problem at all. Thank you. Thank you. And as, as I said, we're, we're going to really focus today's episode around uh, the world of business analysis. Uh, and I thought none other, you were the first person that kind of came to mind. So just to kind of start us off, I suppose, can you give us an introduction to yourself, your background, and where we kind of go from there? Sure. Um, so I'm Tanda Jacobs, currently working as a business an uh, analyst in uh, financial services, essentially. I've been in this field for around five, almost five years now. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's a, it's a world on its own. We, I'm sure we're going to dive into that. But before I was a business analyst, and obviously we'll explain what that means, um, I was working in sales and account management, really. Um, so like working in, uh, in the branch, so, uh, sorry, banking branch, so selling financial products mm -hmm. and services. And I was doing that for qu quite some time, almost, almost 10 years. Um, and then before that I was just general sales. So, you know, everything you can think about, I've probably sold it in some degree or another. So I've done door to door selling, um, um, I've done telesales, I've done face to face, I've done like when you have a pop-up in, in the middle of town and you're just kind of walking around different yep. people. Um, and then eventually in, in like a shop in the branch, uh, sort of thing. So that was like my career for a big chunk of my time. And then one day I kind of thought. A fancy change for many different reasons and then the choice was business analysis and um it's been a it's been a, a joy ride so far amazing amazing yeah. and it's uh it's in, it's interesting your, your your kind of background and like you said we're, we're kind of touch on that because um you know a lot of people i suppose my the clients i often see are, are, are transitioning careers and it's it's always interesting to see the wealth experience that they kind of come from and all the different pivots you know they, they take on their journey but but like like you said at the beginning, I suppose what what actually is a business analyst? I suppose what what is that role? Oh my goodness! Do you know what? It's this. That's such a pressured question uh, because <laughs> <laughs> business analyst is such a broad uh, role. Should I say right? It's the best way I can think about it is that, uh, or the best way I can probably explain it in non-technical terms or anything like that is that think of it as a consultant who is in the organization and you're consulting within the organization um, on projects that the organization wants to embark on. And that mm. level of consultancy might be sort of really high level, so strategic level con projects. So you're looking at, I guess, big pieces of work to like revamp a whole system or build a completely new product um, all the way right down to like working with a very small team on their process and kind of figuring ways to improve their process to make it better so that's kind of the way I think about it it's it's you're a consultant but you're a consultant within the organization um, and then you're essentially driving change within that organization um, but a big part of the role is then analyzing the the, the way that change comes to life analyzing the way mm. that uh, the the way the change will impact the business and impact the teams around the business and and kind of working with all the different stakeholders or people within the team and and the company to say 
this is what we're doing. What's the best approach to, you know, do what we're wanting to do and what are the things that we need to keep in mind whilst we're doing what we wanted to do and achieving the things that we want to achieve and, and kind of going on this journey, right. With the company on yeah. this journey of change. And so my role as a business analyst is to ensure that what we're doing, what the change looks like is number one, it's fit for purpose, right? It's doing the thing that we wanted to do, but it's right for the organization or it's right for the team uh, or right for the customer. And also that the the change itself, you know, we've considered all possibilities of risks and impact and things that we might change or we might need to keep in mind after we've done the change. So that's in, in a nutshell, trying to explain the role of business analysts. But like yeah. I said, it's very broad because you find business analysts in financial services, you find them in healthcare, you find them in engineering, you find them in pharmaceutical, you find them in manufacturing. And so each of these places might then utilize the role in a very different way. But all the, the bread and butter of business analysis, hopefully I've, I've covered in the sense that it's that internal consultant that drives change. Yeah, I love that. That's a, it's a really interesting way to describe it, like an internal consultant. And I, I think, um, I, you know, my, my background is a mix of kind of um, uh, the NHS industry and project management. And it's, uh, I remember uh, a previous chief exec on my very first day joining um, said the only constant is change and it really mm. stuck in my mind and to have a role mm. like yours I suppose in terms of a business analyst mm. is absolutely mm. integral because he's right regardless of the NHS financial services you know if you don't if you don't evolve you die you know is a, the, the, the yeah. key term isn't it so I suppose in terms of like an average week really and, and as, you know in terms of that role as a business analyst well, I mean, it, it sounds like there's loads of variety, which really excites me. That's a key thing I always seek for. I love variety in all the roles I kind of seek to do. What what would an average week look like if you could kind of, you know, some of the activities, you've got strategic, you've got more working in smaller teams in processes. Yeah, if you would kind of lay that out to our listeners, I suppose, what would the, the average week of a, a business analyst look like? Yeah, do you know what? I've been thinking about this as well, trying to, trying to, con what's the word conceptualize the average week i would say it's it's really communicating that's like the bulk mm. of the job is communicating uh with various stakeholders about the change now as part of that communication uh, there's various ways to communicate right so you can communicate say directly either that's verbally in a meeting um, or a presentation or through an email um, of sorts, right? So that's kind of like the, yeah. the verbal communication, if you'd like. But also it's as part of that communication, a big part of it is then translating uh, the change to various stakeholder groups. So for example, it's it's actually one thing I did mention actually earlier, it's quite a an IT focused uh, or an IT type role in the sense that most of the time the change is, is, is kind of technical uh, related. Mm. Um, most of the time there are times when it isn't but most of the time it, it is as well and so as part of that you can then imagine let's just say for example we want to um build a new uh, i'm gonna i'm trying to think of an example that everyone would relate to so okay let's take instagram for example right and mm -hmm. uh, let's just say we want to build a new feature in instagram to do something that you know instagram currently doesn't do so as part of that you may you may imagine that there is the technical guys who obviously are building the software they're the developers so they need to we need to communicate to them to say 
this is what the change looks like. But that communication with developers, as you can imagine, people who are building the actual software, uh, looks different to me communicating it with the sales and marketing team. And it also yeah. looks different to me communicating it with the growth team and the legal team and compliance team. And so a big part of it is communication, but actually it's then translating kind of this, the change that we wanted to do. And then using a various range of tools and techniques to then communicate it to all these different people. So with some people, it is verbal, but with other people, it's actually putting together, say, diagrams or putting together um, sort of visual artifacts that would help to communicate and really break down the change. So a very small example to the senior leaders, you know, I might talk to them about like show them graphs and pie charts of the growth uh, that this change will bring and the revenue that it might bring and all this kind of thing. And then I'll go to the technical guys, uh, but with them, they don't really, you know, in a nice way, they don't really care about growth and, and revenue. What <laughs> they really want to know is, <laughs> what they want to know is, okay, we understand you want to introduce this feature, but what exactly yeah. does it do step by step? And what exactly yeah. does a user do on Instagram step by step for this thing to work? And so then it's breaking that down into actual small detailed, um, I guess, breakdown to say, this is exactly what it looks like. And the interface, right? Like, what exactly does it look like? What color should it be? Or what, what's the mm. branding around this new feature that we should do? So it's a bunch of all these different things. But if I'm to then sum it up, it's communication. So my week would then look like uh, meetings, of course. Um, yep. A chunk of time for meetings with all these different stakeholder groups. And then a chunk of time of translating documentation. So, or creating and translating documentation. So um, before meetings or after meetings, it could be a case of, okay, we've agreed the next steps. But in order for me to communicate those next steps with them next week, I need to convert the thing that we spoke about in a meeting to some form of documentation or some form of presentation or some form of visual artifact to then continuously make sense of the change that we're trying to put together. Um, but within that, I always make sure that obviously you have enough time for like just break and enough time for like um, thinking as well. It, it's, it's not, it, it's quite a thinking type role. There's a lot of um, a thought process that goes into it. And so, you, you do need time to, you know, you don't just kind of act and act and act and talk and talk and talk. You yeah. need time to also internalize and and really figure out what is the best way to communicate this. So what's the best way to approach this uh, with, mm -hmm. you know, this group of stakeholders or with this particular technical problem that we're trying to solve. And so there is also a chunk of time for just really uh, strategizing, brainstorming and thinking and figuring out, okay, what's the best way forward with this? So hopefully that gives people an idea of what, what the role looks like in that, in that mm. sense. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. Thank you for kind of sharing that with, with us. And, you know, that, that communications piece is, is massive. I suppose we, you know, we, we talk about some of the core skills that we have. I mean, communication is often the bedrock that everything's formed on. I mean, uh, and you mentioned the different styles and methods you communicate. I think that's really important to share because, you know, we have various, we have disc profiling, if, if for anyone who, who's recognised that, where you're uh, a blue, green, yellow kind of red, you have the um, the Myers-Briggs tests and all the kind of things where we, uh, our default kind of reacts in different situations. Uh, and it's really important, you know, I would talk about emotional intelligence of like, what is it like to be on the receiving end of you? And how do you make sure your message is communicated in an effective way? 
And I think that's re- what you said is absolutely perfect because, you know, we, we're not, we don't want a broad brush stroke and stereotype, but accountants and those kind of uh, ilks, kind of contracts, legal, they're very data, they're very factual, I suppose. Whereas leadership teams, and I, and I think when you said about the, the, the graphs uh, and visuals, it kind of made me smile because I, I, I think back of previous meetings and I think if I was to go into present and I had more like data and slides rather than visuals, you know, half the half the, the room would be asleep within five minutes because <laughs> yeah. they just they exactly. don't, no, exactly. I don't care about how I'm big yeah. picture. I'm vision. Yeah, tell yeah, me yeah. what it looks like. Tell me what it feels like. And then, yeah. then you can talk to X, Y, Z on how to implement it. But Absolutely. I didn't. I don't know if anything kind of came up for you when I was kind of talking through the the communication. I suppose the power. No, of honestly, I think I think you've <laughs> you've brought up a lot of um, um, memories there. So I think I've I've been in those situations. I've been in situations where, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you kind of get you you don't take the time to really analyze the whether the communication style and approach and method that you're doing. It's fit for purpose. Um, and, yeah. and a big part of this comes back to the fact, like I said, it's quite a broad role. Sometimes the broadness of the role of business analysis is the fact that you work with, you know, you, genuinely speaking, you could spend, say, nine o'clock in the morning to, to 10 o'clock in the morning in a meeting with like senior level directors. And mm-hmm. then from 10 o'clock, as soon as you come off that meeting, you're speaking to like a assistant first line support person to really understand how exactly they do the thing that they are doing. And so in the space of two hours, you've gone from speaking very high level to senior leaders and kind of strategic language and, you know, graphs yeah. and charts to then speaking to somebody who is very, I guess, uh, operational in their role and kind of then saying, right, talk me through how you exactly execute this particular process and tell mm. me step by step, how do you go through it? And and so immediately you can see there's a there's a very big difference in the range of communication and the way you approach that communication. And so now imagine if I'm then to take that 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 step by step process. What I mistakenly did in my in my earliers uh, in the career was I would take that step by step process and I'd show it to the senior leaders exactly as it was, <laughs> and then kind of stop me in the middle of me presenting and you know I'm like I've done a good job like I've I've built this amazing process model and I can really see everything that happens so if anyone got any questions like everything is covered and mm-hmm. then the director's like sorry mate just 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 I don't need to know all of these details just tell me very high level when they actually execute this process does it impact this other business area does it impact that other business area and if it does are we worried about that or is it a small impact? And, that, and I was like, that's all yeah. I need to know, <laughs> you know? And so it, it, it's, it's it, that emotional intelligence. You have to be intelligent enough to understand the crowd that you're speaking to and that crowd varies. And so uh, uh, and that's something that I speak to a lot of, particularly new people in the, in, in this profession, because you, you, you can easily find yourself being, I guess, you know, horizontally, uh, like this, like you're very good at communicating, say, with operational people, or you're very, very yeah. good at connect, c- communicating with strategic level uh, stakeholders. But actually, you need to learn to be vertical as well. Like, how do you then take that skill and just translate it and, and make it fit for the middle managers? And how do you make it fit for the operational staff? And how do you even make it fit for the for an external uh, client, you know, and, and all these different yeah. things? So, but yeah, I, I've learned the hard way. So that's why I... I, I um, I'm very 
what's the word? That's why I'm, I say it's really a communication role because I've learned the hard way that, yeah, <laughs> communication is a massive part of this job. Exactly. And and I suppose building on some of the other skills, um, I'm thinking, so obviously if someone's listening and they want to kind of go into that industry, want to go into that role as a business analyst, obviously we've, we've kind of said communication is a key foundation around um, around the day-to-day job, I suppose, in terms of communicating to peers, operational colleagues, strategic colleagues. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, aspects of IT as well. What What are some of the other like core skills you think? So if you're going to build your perfect business analyst we kind of communication is a big part that they need to have what are some of the other skills would you would you say are quite fundamental to, to doing the role well absolutely so for me first thing is in the title so uh, an analytical mindset uh, having that mm-hmm. analytical approach and what that really means is that you don't just take anything at face value so whatever you're presented with whether it's information whether it's data whether it's even if it's like oh uh, an, an idea like we want to do this thing you don't just say, okay, that's it. You know, you kind of, the analyst in you should then question, you know, everything that you're, that you're given or presented with and, 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 you know, questions like, why do you want that? You know, questions like, what exactly is the benefit of doing that? Questions mm-hmm. like, if you don't do that, what would that mean for the business? You know, uh, and even questions like, okay, why exactly do you do this step after this step when logically that doesn't make sense? You know, and, and you question everything. And so a big part of his analytical mindset, um, and we've already touched on communication, but a big part of, you know, linked to that communication then is actually, I guess, stakeholder engagement. Or in other words, building very good and strong relationships with the people that you work with. Um, yeah. and, and the reason why that's a big part of the role is because the business analyst role, like I said, is, a, is really a, I guess it's a non-technical IT role. Right. And so nine times out of 10, when I say to people I work in IT, they are assuming that I'm a coder, I'm a developer, I'm a software engineer, I'm, a, I'm, I'm something that's very technical. I know how to build software, whereas I have no I have zero like coding skills. Right. At this point yeah. in time, anyway, I don't really know anything about that. But actually, I work with the people who do. But my role, remember, is then communicating between the different groups of people. So you have to be really good at building the relationships with all those different groups of people because fundamentally the success of the project lies in the collaboration with this groups of stakeholders and yeah. everyone being on board and involved and you find that most of the time or a good amount of time or your energy really goes into making sure that everyone is on board with what we're doing as a project that everyone is understanding the reason why we're doing the project but everyone as well is i guess interested enough if not passionate about the actual thing that we are doing and then they are you know playing their role whatever that role looks like and so that comes with building connections building relationships and 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 making sure that everyone is on the same page but also creating a safe space that they can be honest with you and say i I disagree with this or i don't like that and and kind of have that space so that's a big part and then if i am to like kind of because there's so many things the final thing i would then add on to that is and i'll kind of lump it into um technical skills so yes the business analyst role is um communication and yes it's building relationships but there is still within the profession um what we call um i guess frameworks and tools that we use so um that's where what i mean by technical skills so when i say technical yes i don't mean coding but what i do mean is that there are certain tools that we use as business analysts to then communicate 
for example, two developers and two uh, business stakeholders. And there's certain techniques that we have in our space that um, that we you know we build art, what we call artifacts. So we build process maps, for example, which is a visual representation of a process. But there's a technique that we use to do that, or a, a few techniques. And so that's quite a big part of the role in learning the language of business analysis and learning the tools and techniques of doing business analysis as well. And then combining that technical ability with almost this uh, emotional intelligence and stakeholder engagement, putting those two things together for me would then be uh, the perfect <laughs> business analyst role. Amazing. And it's really helpful. You know, one of the main reasons why, you know, I seek to kind of do these podcasts and, and delve into different professions it is it the the outsider like you said i'm in it would automatically assume certain things and from what it sounds like you know there, there sounds like quite a lot of kind of parallels to a project manager almost really in terms of the business analyst role where there's a whole lot of people management you know yes there's a technical expertise and an understanding you need to know because i suppose by having that understanding you can take a, a core concept and an idea and communicate that in terms of detail, but also to, at, at a high level. But there's a whole lot of that stakeholder management, like you said, and the communication to various colleagues. And, and the thing, the crossover to my, my own profession, I suppose, in coaching, which really is fascinating, is that kind of what we call psychological safety. So like creating that safe space for people to share, uh, challenging people in a respectful way and saying, you know, why is that? Why do you do that? And it's that, you know, that you know a lot of people often say some of the core elements of success is to be consistent and be curious and if you do that for 10 years whatever realm you want to do you'll probably be successful in it mm. and it sounds like that's a real core concept to this role as well that you know you're consistent you're kind of communicating with others but you always embody that like curiosity that kind of why do you do that you know a, a real good friend of mine who uh who's in the world of mental research who um one day I, I hope to kind of bring her uh, on this podcast. She always talks about uh, being a, a loving scientist, so which I find absolutely fascinating. So in all aspects of your life, personal, professional, rather than judging yourself, you're just being a loving scientist. You're just thinking, oh, that's interesting. Why does that happen? What's the cause of this? What's the effects of this? And it, it sounds like you, you probably have a lot of those questions every day, I'd imagine, when, when you're talking to yeah, people. Yeah, do you know what? I hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, so, some of some of the some of the 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 times it's really kind of thinking about the science world. Not that I know much about that world, but you are, you know, looking at say um, uh, or testing theories, mm. and, and then you're looking at different different ways of achieving a, a, an accomplish sorry achieving a, a goal mm -hmm. and then you're basically saying which one of these ways is going to be the best option for us to do yeah. this in our project or in the change or in the business um and at times with each change you kind of maybe do a little bit of a test or a sample what we call a proof of concept right you just kind of figure out okay if we do this particular solution what could it look like we do that little bit over here what could it look like and then and then we we compare both or, or three mm -hmm. or four of them and we say okay which one of these options is the best way forward um but yeah no i i really love that concept of of of, of a loving scientist i'm definitely gonna steal that one <laughs> <laughs> feel free I, I mean i've i using your words i've stole her stole from her so so i i i see it as a ripple effect but i think it's a, a really good idea and kind of concept uh you know when we're doing anything both personal and professional it could be um something from simply losing weight or or, or trying to in, improve our health and fitness to increase in our professional development it's just kind of it takes away the judgment away it's like you know i'm i'm doing this the goal is to learn 
yeah. the goal is so I'm doing this let's see what the, the effect is and where we kind of go from there so it is it's fascinating mm. um I suppose talking back leaning back on your previous experience really so it's interesting to know obviously you've transitioned into this role uh, and you've done it for for some time you said like a period around five years mm. what do you think are some of those past experiences that have really helped you to kind of you know, do this transition. And I'm thinking the reason why I asked that, it'd be interesting for others who are, regardless of their age, in their 20s or 40s, looking to transition uh, to become a business analyst. They can, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm starting from square one again. You know, yeah. that, that's it. Yeah. I've got to start from the beginning. Yeah. I think it's yeah. really important to look back at our past experiences and how they can help us. So yeah. how, how's how's that kind of applied for you, would you say? Yeah. I So I'm a big believer in, in transferable skills. Massive. Mm. I'm also a big believer in that your experience is never wasted. And so, you know, no matter where you are, there's always something that you can transfer over to the next move. Um, I have met many amazing people in this field or, and in other fields, to be honest, who transitioned from something, something that you wouldn't even think of, but let's just, let's just, um, let's just look at a few different uh, examples here. So in my experience, let me start with my experience. I was Mm -hmm. a sales and account management. So what that role actually taught me, it was still analyzing problems and finding solutions to those problems. The only difference was I wasn't analyzing a problem of an organization. I was analyzing a problem of a single client that I was selling a product to. And and in my selling that product to them, I was then presenting them with a solution to that problem. And sometimes I'll present them with recommendations as part of that. So I'd say, right, these are your four options. And I recommend you take this particular option, but it's up to you because at the end of the day, it's still their own choice. But that skill of analyzing a problem what you know looking at okay this is your current situation right now so i used to work in banking so you know i'll say this is your current financial situation right now you know and what you can do with your with with your savings or your credit card or whatever is you could do xyz it's up to you which one you do choose but then based on what you've told me you want to achieve this is the best option for you right now yeah and then that's a skill that's transferable to business analysis because now i'm doing this basically the same thing but just to an organ- at an organizational level with the project. And now we're looking at, you know, obviously massive different uh, budgets and projects. But yeah. it's, it's the same skill. What else did that, that sales and account management ta- taught me? It taught me to build good relationships. It taught me the art of like getting somebody on board with what you're selling, with what you're talking about, with what you're doing. It taught me the skill of, you know, that softer side skills, the communication skills, the engagement skills, the influencing others' skills and things like that. And all of these things I'm using in my day job today or in my new profession, so to speak, today. I think the difference is this, Michael. I Because I was exactly the same. I was literally, I'm going to have to start again from literally ground zero. Yeah. But the thing that I realized uh, or when the thing clicked in my mind is that um, if you stri- if you strip down the technical the technical language of certain jobs, so like I said, business analysis is quite a technical job, uh, and and there's a certain way you speak, and you find this in any profession. You go to legal, there's a certain language that they use. You go to um, healthcare, there's a certain way that they speak. But if you then translate that into just basic plain English, you will actually realize that. I could, I've, I can tick 50% of these boxes. It's just that in my world, we don't call it what you call it in that world. Or in my world, we don't necessarily technically do that, but we basically do the same thing 
uh, to achieve the same goal, really. Yeah. So, so I had to internalize that. Actually, no, I just need to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And I need to learn how to translate what I'm doing now to fit the language of where I'm trying to go. So what I started to so one example uh, is that in the world of sales, and uh, sales, really, whatever somebody wants, you know, we just call it what you want. So okay, what, what are you looking to get today? You know, oh, I'm looking to buy this, this and this, or I'm looking for, you know, if you're looking for a car, they say, I want a car that's an SUV and it's an automatic and it's black and it has a big boot size. You know, you're, you're listing the things that you want in a car. Yeah. Now, in the world of projects, the only difference is we call those things requirements. But see, I had to learn the language. So I'm like, oh, okay, when I'm working in a project and if I'm approaching this as a business analyst, the question isn't what do you want? The question is what are the requirements? But really we're asking the same thing. It's just that yeah. the language is different. So what I would encourage people who are in this position is learn the language of where you want to go and then translate that language back to where you are right now and then see where the links are because there will be links for sure 100 yeah. percent. and that's what i had yeah. to do another example somebody that i i um somebody that I, I i know of they also came into business analysis from being a paramedic mm-hmm. and they said the same thing you know they were like listen as a paramedic what's my job my job is to analyze the symptoms and then you look at the symptoms of what the person is going through. And then from the symptoms, you're starting to shortlist the possible problems. Yeah. Once you know what the problem is, then you know what medical solution to give them. Right. But he was like, that's exactly what we do as business analysts. We analyze the symptoms or the problems within the organization or the process to say, okay, what's going on here? What's happening? Let me, let me see what's going on. And then eventually we understand what the problem is. And now that we know, okay, the problem is the fact that the process takes too long for customers to complete a sale, for example, we can then look at potential solutions to make it, make it a smoother process that then in turn will increase the sales and revenues. Cause we're missing out on a lot of that because a lot of people can sort of sell halfway through, but he was saying it's the same thing, just a different language. And so, yeah. That's what I'd say to people who are transitioning careers. Uh, at least that's one of the things that I did anyway, that really unlocked the game for me. Definitely, definitely. And I, yeah, I, I, I often, you know, it, I suppose I often talk about it like it's like the sunk cost fallacy, they, I suppose, in terms of the, the concept they call it, where, you know, I've done all of this and I've spent loads of time and, you know, I'm going to have to start from the beginning. And I suppose it's really good to reframe people's mindset to actually realise there's a lot of skills and core qualities you've built that can easily be kind of transferred to, to other other jobs. And, you know, of course, there's other things like, you know, financials and the golden handcuffs and all the rest of it. But mm. I suppose that just takes one piece out of the puzzle for you to say, you know, exactly. actually, this won't be as hard as I might think it will be. Exactly. You know, I reckon there's a lot of elements I can kind of bring to the role. Yeah. And, and one thing I'll add, sorry, Michael, one thing on, I'll add go, as well go is simply to say that, um, that, that, as you said, it takes one piece out of the puzzle, but actually it then shows you that you're closer than you think. Exactly. And so you, you then actually start to realize that actually, okay, I know I, I'm starting to really understand these things, uh, half of the things. Yes, you will always have another chunk of things that you need to learn because that comes with the territory. So you need to learn the technical aspects of things. You need to learn how to do, perform the job in a certain way. You, you know, you need to learn X, Y, Z. So, you know, as an example, I couldn't, as a business analyst, then say, okay, I know how to analyze problems and come up with solutions so I can be a nurse tomorrow. No, I still need to learn the medical, you know, actual, the actual practice of medicine. So mm. th- there's that element that I need to learn, but actually the fact that I can make that connection between where I am and where I want to get to, 
that's half the job done. And already yeah. mentally speaking, you're already basically take that you're already proving to yourself that this is possible. This is doable. I just need to actually take the steps to do it. So just to be real with the people that are listening, when I made the transition, it took me about a year and a half, you know, to make that transition from sales to business analysis. It took me about a year and a half, but it didn't take me a year and a half um, off of my own back, so to speak. Uh, by that, I mean, it, it didn't take me a year and a half. It took me probably much less time, but it, a good chunk of that year and a half, I spent it doing interviews and reshaping my my answers i spent it then learning the art of interviewing and learning the art of presenting myself as a candidate so you know there's other elements that you will learn but once you know enough to to be able to say okay i'm ready to make this transition i'm ready i'm ready to learn the fundamental basics of it and really get myself involved in the role the the beauty this is one of the reasons why i chose business analysis um the reason why i chose business analysis was this i wanted to get into it but i didn't want to go do a four-year degree to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. So, so I said to myself, what are the kind of jobs that, to the to talk about transferable, what kind of, kind of jobs that I can transfer into based on the skills that I already have? Yes, there's a learning curve. That's with everything new. Nothing comes with no learning curve. But actually, which one has a shorter learning curve as opposed to me having to go back and study software engineering for four years at a university, for example? Yeah. Um, and business analysis was one of those roles. The reason why, like I said earlier, yes, there are technical things that we do, but when I say technical, I don't mean building software. I don't yeah. mean um, building computers even. I don't mean technical in that sense. I just mean there's things that we do as business analysts that you do, that you have to learn. Um, but the barrier to entry is far lower than software engineering because I don't need to spend 200 hours learning how to code using Python and using 10 you know other languages because that, that's that's not my job my job is more this other thing over here and i think business analysis is one of the best professions for people to choose if they want to get into it but they don't feel like they want to have necessarily a technical type job you know like a software developer business analysis is a great option you know much that project management that you you, you said uh, that you're in there's similarities in that but there, there are tons of other roles as well that are similar but the reason why I chose business analysis was because when I looked at all the options, this is the one that that was a good fit for me. And a big part yeah. of the reason why it was a good fit for me was because transferable skills tick the box and the things I had to learn tick the box and I could learn them in, you know, within six to nine months and which I did. And then after that, I just had to learn the game of like job hunting basically, which definitely. it's a whole different thing. But Definitely. And then on that, on that, piece about the six or nine months I think the two core things for me I suppose to pick up on is you know these career transitions don't they take time you know they mm. um they can't happen overnight they might not you know it won't even happen over a couple of months um and I think that's you know for someone if someone says yes you can do this you can make 10k in a month and all the rest of it you know for me I always say um you know just turn around turn around and run away as far as, as far as you can from that person i think mm. it's important to share the reality of these transitions um and often with, with kind of coaching coaching is a more kind of longer term process because you're not even just a, a attacking um the skills and education qualifications you're attacking a big thing in terms of the mindset and the and you know you you've you've got say you're 28 you've got 27 years in the bank of doing a certain thing a certain way and growing up in society norms and all the rest of it, you know, you have to change that, that, that mindset kind of going forward. And 
And for you, I suppose, when you said about you looked at various different roles and, and business analysis is what you kind of ended up on. I suppose an important part for, for me and to kind of share to, to those who are listening, what, what are kind of the, the progression frameworks and the, the, the ways you can see a business analysis kind of progress, I suppose? I know, depending on your industry, I'm sure salaries will range very widely. But if you were to be a business analysis after like a year, five years, 10 years, where could you see the, the, the rough kind of trajectory of that role going, I suppose? Yeah, so, so the business analysis role has got that. It's got the uniqueness of being broad. Um, I know I said it earlier in, in a slight negative tone in the sense that it's hard to describe the role because it's broad, but actually that's the uniqueness of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, if I'm to give you an example, right? So if you're a flight attendant, you're a flight attendant. If you're a pilot, you're a pilot. If you're a chef, you're a chef. Um, if you if you work on in customer service and you're on, on help desk, you answer phone calls and you're on help desk. So it's like the jobs are siloed and they're very, you know, like this. Your job is very descriptive. It's very clear what you do, and that's this is what you do. You don't mm-hmm. venture into you. Do, you don't see pilots handing you drinks in a plane, right? Like that's does that does that happen? Because that's what flight attendants are for, for example. But the business analyst role is one of those roles. It's like a floater role. Like you could literally just float in different areas within the business mm-hmm. and even within the industry. And so, because of that, when it comes to career progression, now you have so many different options because. What naturally then tends to happen by being a floater is that you kind of get a sense and a taste of different things. So to give you an example, I do a little bit of data analysis, a little bit, you know, I do a little bit of project management. Sometimes in some cases, um, I do a little bit of testing, QA, QA testing, which is testing the software that's been built. Um, And in some cases, some people end up doing a little bit of coding. And some people end up doing a little bit of um, sort of comms engagement with you mm-hmm. know, business or even with clients. And so you do a little bit of a lot of different things that when it comes to career that you, you, you've you done, I guess, a lot of things that you could venture into anything if you wanted to. However, if you want to stick within the business analysis sort of bu- uh, umbrella, you obviously have the your, your typical junior business analyst, business analyst, senior business analyst, a lead business analyst, and then a, a manager of business analysts. Uh, and then maybe yeah. if the company has it, the head of business analysis practice or something like that. Uh, so that's kind of like a progression uh, that you can kind of see there. But a very closely tied role, remember I said a business analyst is an internal consultant. Well, you could actually then end up being an external consultant, meaning you can you can work for one of the consultancy practices, you know, the big four, PwC, Deloitte, et cetera. You can end up being a consultant in the sense of you take the skills that you've learned as a business analyst and you essentially do the same thing. But the difference now is you're not doing it within the organization that hires you. You're doing it with a client that your organization has sent you to work for. Yeah. Similar yeah. concept, but it was just, just a slight different route um, to that. So you can become a consultant. I know people who end up actually becoming independent consultants. So they end up just kind of doing their own thing. You know, they're their own consultants and or <clears throat> they run their own consultancy practice. And so five years, honestly speaking, I- I've been in it for five years myself, actually, funny enough. So my mm-hmm. career progression has really just, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been in it for five years. My career progression has really just, yeah, you know, just kind of went like this. And a big part of that is because you get involved in so many different projects, so many different pieces of work that you build a lot of, I guess, knowledge, but also a lot of skill within that five-year period that you can become a senior level 
business analysts even in less than five years if you wanted to yeah. depending on how driven you are but also just a little bit of luck in terms of the organizations that you work for and the kind of opportunities that they give you but generally speaking yeah. you can you can take your career anywhere in that five-year period it's not there's no sort of dotted line you have to do this and then you have to do this and then you have to do this it's the world's your oyster almost it just depends on what you like do you prefer to be more technical do you prefer to be more data focused? Do you prefer to be more business focused? Do you prefer to be more like stakeholder engagement focused? You can find all these kind of roles in the market as a business analyst. You just have to find the ones that fit, the ones that you like. Amazing. And I think that's that's good to know because you can apply that knowledge and that insight, I suppose, that Tando's kind of shared to yourself and your own personality. Do you like to have a, a structured timeline of I know exactly where I'm going to be as long as I you know, I perform to my competencies and all the rest of it, I'll be here in 10 years time. That's exactly where I'll be. Well, perhaps this role, you know, can apply to you, but it might not, it might not be as, um, as exciting or uh, for you, because actually if you're perhaps more my personality where you like the variety and you can do a wealth of different options in five years, you could go this way, that way, you know, you could specialize in certain aspects. This is something that might be much more kind of exciting to you in terms of a, a role if you want to embrace that variety of options. So it's it's really good to know for those people who are looking to enter the industry, are they of the mindset where they want to know exactly where they're going to be in 10 years? Or do mm. they like the aspect of just limit uh, unlimited growth, you know, and they can be in one of many roles? So I think it's really, really important for, for kind of listeners to kind of hear that insight, I suppose. And and on that kind of same track, for, for you, one, one of our kind of last last questions, I suppose, here, here today is, you know, you've been in the role for five years now. You've kind of transitioned. You're kind of building your foundations uh, in terms of that, that career. What is, I suppose, one piece of advice that if you had your time again, you know, you're, you're younger, younger Tando, you're, you're five years yeah. younger um, and you're kind of the, the world's at your feet. What is one piece of advice you would give that person before entering the industry uh, and the role as a as a business analyst. Oh my goodness! Um, one pressure's on. Pressure's on. Pressure is, <laughs> pressure is on. One piece of advice. One piece of advice. My my one piece of advice is to be bold. Mm. That's my one piece of advice. Be bold. Be bold enough to go for it you know, go for the jobs, go for the careers, things like that. But, but so, and this applies to many different levels. So if you're, if you're in a position where you're considering business analysis of the profession, go for it. Right. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're considering for me is enough. It's not the kind of career, like I said, it's not, it's not siloed. So even if you did it for a couple of years, you'd still gain some really, really uh, valuable skills and, and some yeah. skills that are, are really, um, uh, sought after in the market so it's not like you've you're going to waste your experience and so if be bold enough to go for it if you're thinking about it if you're just starting you know you're six months in whatever be bold enough to do business analysis uh, and mm. really by that i mean it's not the kind of job business analysis right it's not the kind of job where uh like when i was in sales they'll say to you in your first couple of months or whatever, they'll say, watch how this person does it, see how they do it. And then, you know, you just follow suit. There's a script on the screen that you read and X, Y, Z, you kind of learn from your peers. Business analysis is, it's just one of those roles where you have the freedom to kind of approach it in your way. 
because remember the the point is to drive projects forward. Well, if you put three business analysts business analysts on a on if you give the sorry if you give three business analysts the same project, but you know three yeah. of them are doing it their own way, there'll be three different ways to do the, the thing. All that matters is that we accomplish the thing that we set out to accomplish. Well, part of the main thing that matters anyway. So be bold enough to trust your instincts, to trust your ideas, to trust your voice, and be bold enough to you know question things and say, uh, "Excuse me, I don't I don't see how this works," or uh, "Excuse me, I don't think you need that because you said you need this, and if you need this, then why do you say you need this as well?" And you know, just have the boldness to speak out your voice, and also the boldness to just um to do to to be in your position and to do it well so for me it'll be, it'll be boldness to, to somebody else because i feel like nine times out of ten um my younger self anyhow i was i had a little bit of intimidation you know particularly when i was yeah. new to a career you kind of feel like i don't have years of experience so i don't know if you know if people will listen to me but actually the fact that you got the job shows that you you're qualified enough and you're the right caliber for the position just be bold in that fact alone and just do it you know so that's that's what i would say definitely i love i love that and it's a it's a it's one of those kind of a core concept that can be applied to most things isn't it i suppose it's that it's that belief in yourself like you said you got the job they believed in you they see your expertise they see your your personality their skill set and they've invested in you to have a role you know have their own self-belief now to act upon that um and whether like you said it, it that could apply to whether you're thinking about transitioning or whether you just joined the role you know, regardless of what it is, you know, we're, we only have one kind of life on this world and it, it's important to do what matters to you and, and kind of, um, you know, have the actions that align to your, your thoughts, opinions and, and words, really. So I, I really like that, that kind of concept to kind of drive people forward. And, and I suppose just, just to kind of close uh, tender today, I mean, if people, you know, enjoy the conversation and they want to kind of connect with you or, or even hear more about the world around business analysis, where, where's the best places to, to kind of connect and, and find you? Uh, two places. So the first place is on LinkedIn. Definitely find me on LinkedIn. Tando Jacobs, T-H-A-N-D-O. Uh, and then Jacobs, last name. Uh, you'll definitely see me on LinkedIn. Um, feel free to connect, you know, uh, and things like that and reach out if you have any questions. Um, but I also have uh, um, a try my best to kind of make sense of the world of business analysis uh, on a website called InsideBusinessAnalysis.com. And um, on there, you can just go to it and just kind of yeah, see, see what's going on in the world of business analysis. Um, as part of that, we have a podcast, which Michael, you've been on as well. So um, watch out for that episode. That has been a, a, a pretty, um, a very good discussion. And um, yeah, essentially that's the two best places to, to get in touch with me. Amazing, amazing. And I'll include links in the kind of show notes for people uh, to kind of get get hold of you, yourself. And I hope, hope this conversation has been kind of useful to those who have kind of listened or watched um and if this is kind of brought about thoughts about yourself whether it's you know transitioning to the world of uh, business analysis or or other professions uh, and you want someone to kind of help guide and support you along that journey both myself and, and tando are, are, are here to kind of help support you with that that piece so thank you for your time fando uh, and uh thank you to those who listened uh, and i look forward to catching you on the next episode of catapult your career cheers thank you for having me Yeah. <laughs>